Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the New Testament reading of Colossians and the Gospel of Luke, as you heard a few moments ago. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, in the reading from Colossians today, we heard these words. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And then in the gospel reading, we hear about a rich man who has so many crops that he doesn't know what to do with them. He doesn't have enough place to store them all. So he decides that he's going to tear down his current barns and build bigger ones in order to store all of his crops and goods. And then he says to himself, you got plenty. You can just relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But the story ends with God saying, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The man cared only for himself. Storing up treasures for himself. And in the end of this parable, he will lose it all. Now, you might hear this story and say, this guy lost everything because he wasn't rich toward God. But all he was doing was trying to store up everything that he himself had earned by his hard work. I mean, that's really no different than me, right? I mean, I work. My money goes into a bank account to be used by me. Okay, fair enough. So let's take a step back for a moment and talk a little bit about something that we call stewardship. You might hear more about stewardship this fall, so we'll introduce it now. A steward is this. A person who manages another's property or financial affairs. One who administers anything as the agent of another or others. In all the definitions that I found, this one seems to fit the best. Because when we talk about being stewards, we talk about being managers. We are managing someone else's property or financial affairs. All of you are managers. Now, I do mean manager in the sense that you are taking care and overseeing someone else's property or financial affairs. I don't mean manager in the sense that you can sit in your office all day and still make more than everyone else. The kind of managers the kind of stewards we're talking about are the stewards of all that God has given us. When we look at the first article of the Apostles' Creed, we say this, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Now for all of you Lutherans out there, when we look at the catechism, we'd say, what does this mean? To that we say, I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. 
He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land, animals, and all I have. He richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. He defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. All this he does out of fatherly, divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me. For all this, it is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. This is most certainly true. Now to just say that God is the maker of heaven and earth is great. But when we talk about us as stewards, as managers of God's earth that he has given us, we could even go so far as to say that God is the maker and owner of heaven and earth. God is our creator, and we are his creatures. And we have been called to be his managers, his stewards. He has made everything on earth. He has given us abundant blessings, and he has called us to be in charge of it all, to take care of it all. It's not ours. It's all his. But he has graciously given it to us. The manager answers to the owner and is called to do as the owner says. And for today, we'll say that the owner, the master, is the same thing. But even though, that we, can, even though we can say that God is the master of our life, it doesn't always mean that we treat him that way. Jesus even warned, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Who or what really is your master can be answered when you evaluate where you put your time, your effort, and your money. The attitude you have towards it can also determine how you feel about your master. Jesus talked plenty about time, effort, and attitude throughout the Gospels. He discussed loving one's enemies, giving to the needy, prayer, and fasting as just a few of these topics. He was putting an emphasis on helping his followers determine who or what is their real master. He warned in the Gospel of Matthew even. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What matters is not just your relationship to money. What matters most is your relationship with God. And the beauty of this relationship is that you neither start nor maintain it. We are again, again reminded of this when we look at the explanation to the third article of the Apostles' Creed, which says, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. 
God started this relationship with you. Either when he brought you to faith or when you were baptized. And maybe that happened at the same time. Therefore, God is the one who makes the relationship that you have with him. God also maintains the relationship with you. The Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth. All that makes up God's relationship with you is an ongoing gift from him to build the closeness that he desires to have with you. Therefore, God is the master. However, we struggle with him as master because we want to be the masters of our lives. Our human nature, our sinful nature, wants to conquer God's mastery over us by having its own control. We want to be in charge. We want to have total control of all that we say and do. There's a story told of a man who once said to his pastor, he said, Pastor, I'm a wild spender. I throw my money around left and right. In today's service, will you please pray for me that I would be cured of that? The pastor responded, Of course, I will pray that God cures you of this habit right after the offering. <laughs> Another struggle that we have in our human nature, our sinful nature, is that it directs us more towards getting and receiving what we want rather than giving. When it comes to allowing the real master to be the master, we fail time and time again. Psalm 51 says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And in Romans 3, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are sinful, selfish people. And if we try to follow Jesus, we fail. We focus on ourselves first. And when we do that, we put God second. God doesn't want to be second. God has given us everything in this world. He's given us a roof over our heads, clothes on our backs, food to eat, money in our pocket, family, friends, everything that we have, he has given to us. And everybody is different. Some have more than others. It's not because God favors you. Trust me, I think God loves me. In fact, I know he loves me. But that doesn't mean he's going to make me rich. And actually, the more you have, the harder it is. Jesus says in Matthew, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The more you have, the harder it is to give up that master. Remember, you cannot serve both God and money. You'll either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. When we aren't good stewards, good managers, we're putting ourselves, our lives, our, our wants first. And ultimately, when we put our lives first, we lose it. Because the result of our sin, 
the prize that we receive, the wage that we earn for all of our sin is death. It's eternal death. It's hell. Forever being separated from God, the one true master, and all of his blessings. If you try and save your earthly life, you will, you, you will lose your heavenly one. And this is true for all of us. The struggle behind who is your master, God or yourself, is really a struggle between the love of God in Christ Jesus and the power of sin and devil in your life. Both want control over you. Satan comes with his demons and he tempts you to take only care of yourself and what you believe is the most important thing. The self is the place where evil reigns. What do you spend your time and your effort on? Take time and consider how you use your time. If a fair amount of time is spent on yourself, then maybe you're missing some of the joys that come from serving the master. Jesus reminded his disciples, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. As well indicates that God will help you with what you need for food, your body, clothing, and anything else you need. Because as all of you know, this life isn't easy. God is with you in the difficult times, surrounding you with his love. He laughs and he celebrates with you when all is well. He wants to be the center of all of these moments in your life. He doesn't want to play second fiddle to money, to desires, whatever you put first. Jesus comes and invites you to let go of what you want and replace it with what he wants for you and replace it with his freedom. This freedom is not about fulfilling what you want, but of determining how you might best please your master. For example, when a couple starts dating, they begin a process of learning about each other. And that doesn't just end with marriage. When they marry, they will hopefully continue to seek ways that they can please each other and search for ways to give each other what is good and beneficial for the other person. Sometimes that means giving gifts. That gift can be expensive. Sometimes it can cost nothing because it can be a few quiet moments sitting on a swing together after a busy day. Some gift, gifts cost money. But the greatest gifts come from the heart as a response of love. So it is with our master. Think about the greatest gift that we've been given. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God gave generously for you. He gave you all things. And all he asks in return is that he be your master. You then love this master who speaks to you through his word, gives you his word and his sacraments, his blessings of forgiveness, life, and salvation. He loves you so much that he gave you the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ, on the cross for you, for your sins, to, to save you from eternal death. He did it through his death and his resurrection. And in that, he also has given you his Holy Spirit so that you can give in loving response to him. Because he loved you first, you can love him in return and have the privilege of giving him to him with your time, your talents, and yes, even your treasures, your offerings as an outpouring of love and thankfulness to him. Now understand this. God, he doesn't need your gifts because he has given you everything and everything belongs to him. He is the owner. However, he loves you. And how you love him back demonstrates whether or not he really is your master. So what do we do? How do we do it? By doing what Hebrews says. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is our example, our model, and he did it all for us because he loves us. So yes, he was perfect. He is perfect. We are not, but he helps us to be like him. And we need to depend on him. As Colossians says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ giving thanks to God the Father through him. We let Jesus rule in our hearts and help us in this journey of life, this journey of faith. We love him. And we can love him because he first loved us. Loving him back through our time, our talents, and our treasures is what stewardship is about. It's about this faith journey. And it's about love. And God helps us to do it. Jesus loved us so much that he died for us. And our response to him is to love him, to serve him, to be good, faithful stewards of all that he has given us. And we do this because even our gift of faith is a gift from him. The life of faith, the life of Christian stewardship 
is a life-giving journey. It is a lifelong journey, traveling in Christ's power. And this journey, it ends in victory because Christ is victorious. So who is your master? Well, I could probably tell you if I look at your bank account. Because the way you spend your money often indicates the real master of your life. I don't want to look at your bank account. So I'll invite you to let your future offerings of time, talent, and yes, even treasure indicate who really is your master. For the real master, the one true master, is expressing his love for you every moment of every day. And he wants your life to be filled with his love, his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy, and his joy. This life truly begins and ends with Jesus who daily and richly provides you with all that you need for this body and life, and who has done everything that he can through his death and resurrection to make your life complete, to fill all of your needs, your earthly needs and your heavenly ones. And he will bring it all to completion. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.